It could well trigger a new era for our national game. The Gaelic Players Association met formally for the first time in Belfast last night. Players probably feel it's time that maybe some of their ideas were heard. The Breakaway Gaelic Players Association and the GAA hierarchy seem set on a collision course tonight. And the official recognition agreement between the GAA and GPA uh, provides for um, joint commercial ventures. The player development programme that's in place is something that's vital to the well-being of our players. You do your utmost to, to serve the members and uh, that excites me a whole bunch. Every day, you know, we're working with players. They're the centre of everything that we do. Hello there and you're very welcome along to The Player's Voice, a podcast brought to you by the Gaelic Players Association. Now we know there are lots of Gaelic games related podcasts out there, but this is aimed specifically at inter-county players. But there should also be plenty in it to keep the general Gaelic games fan interested as well. I'm Kieran McSweeney and I'm joined by my co-host, Leash footballer Colm Begley. Colm, how are you? I'm good, Kieran. Even though I could be, I could be former leash footballer after the articles in the paper from our last podcast. Supposedly, I'm retiring soon enough, so it's it's been decided for me. I think. Well, it's it's. I, I was going to say maybe former leash footballer because now that some of the restrictions are starting to lift, there's the chance for you to get back out on the golf course, and I'm surprised I was able to even get time with you this week, given that I thought you'd be out there um, tearing, burning up the golf courses or around leash, um, getting back into the swing of things. I know my priorities are very clear and very um, very straightforward and also my golf club isn't open till tomorrow. So <laughs> there's a there's a bit of a backing to and froing going at the moment, but I definitely am looking forward to having that vice now, having that released in the next while. Um and it'll be something I'll, I'll, I'll enjoy, I'm sure. It's it's so many people have been talking about it and it was interesting that like we had such good weather for all along and then there happened to be rain on the eve of the golf courses reopening it was just a a sign sent from somewhere did you get a chance to watch any of the uh the the golf on on tv over the weekend um rory mcelroy and dustin yeah. johnson uh, were, were, were in action i watched it last night it was, a, it was a funny enough fun like it was a strange obviously it's different there's only four and playing and they're mic'd up but it was interesting to hear similar thoughts around their shots and some of the special guests they had on and then of course the big man mcelroy number one came down to a closest to the pin um, on the 17th after it was kind of tied for the skins and uh, just steps up and rattles it around say, seven feet from the hole, like pure class. But good to see, it was interesting, they mentioned about sports coming back and even a small bit of sports coming back in obviously a different form, but like there was loads of positive reaction from it. It was for charity as well, which is fantastic. But like just to see a little bit of it coming back in gave it a little more hope as to guards, okay, we're trying to get sports back in. And it's not to do all or end all, but it does give a lot of um, joy to people and and something for them to kind of buy into away from the bit of doom, doom and gloom at the moment. So I watched it last night. It was very enjoyable. And now it wasn't the only thing you got up to over the weekend because a little bit earlier today, I was on a, <laughs> a, a video call with you and you're a changed man and people who would have been following your social media over the weekend would have seen it as well. The lockdown haircut happened. You went for yep. it yourself. How do you think you fared? Give us a rating out of 10. And um, what would your top tips for anyone contemplating having to take this major step be? Oh, look, like it's it's a solid 8 or 10, considering I did it myself. I have to, I'm not going to, and it was a good price too. I only charged myself 10 euro for the tip of 5 <laughs> euro. So, but it was, um, I had to do it. Like it was gone out of control and there was too much of the grey hair showing up uh, on, 
And I said, okay, I'll go at it. I had a proper razor. And I did the sides with two. And I was kind of thinking, this isn't too bad. But as soon as I had the sides in the back gone, I was like, what do I do now? It was very much, made very much like just cut and hope, you know? And it turned out okay. It, it turned out all right. I'm happy enough considering um, I don't look like a big bush of hair on top of my head at the moment. And it kept me going for probably an hour and a half of the day too. So <laughs> I, I need this time to be taken up by something. Um, but it's done. Done now. I won't get another one for another two months. Or so. Well, you weren't wearing a cap or a hat on the call this morning, earlier t today. So uh, I suppose Fair that's move. a good sign. You were, you were willing for, to let people see it anyway. So fair play. I, I did, did realise though on our call that I think the left side is lower than the right side, <laughs> which I hadn't spotted for the whole weekend. But look, it's all right. First time. First time for everything. Well, I'm sorry to have pointed that out to you. It's, it's only very minimal. You'll only barely see it. No one will notice. Um, look, second episode of the, the Player's Voice, and we're delighted that Brendan Marr will be our guest um, this week, the Tipperary Hurler. Um, he'll be with us very shortly indeed. And a lot to talk to Brendan about, both in terms of on the field, but also a very interesting story off the field. Yeah, no, brilliant, interesting story. And uh, like Brendan was a rep with the GPA as well, so... I've got to know him over the last few years a bit better. And uh, from my point of view, I was very interested to hear about, I suppose, while performing at the highest level on the field, his, I suppose, boldness and bravery in his careers, changing different careers, progressing in different areas, taking risks and, 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 and chances in trying something new. Um, I'm just really intrigued to hear his thought process in that um, and how he got from where he was to where he is now. So it'll be very interesting. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Well, look, we'll hear from Brendan very shortly indeed. But first, let's hear from Kilkenny Great and Leash Senior Hurling Manager, Eddie Brennan. Eddie recorded this message for our healthcare partner, UPMC. The battle against COVID-19 has been going strong and hard for the last number of weeks. And so far, there's been some super work done. But now more than ever, casualness and complacency cannot creep into their battle. More than ever now, concentration, focus and determination is what's needed. We're only halfway there and we have to see this out. There can only be one winner. So now more than ever, let's stick together, let's stick to the plan and let's drive on even harder. Let's go looking for even higher standards now. There's no point in starting a battle and not finishing it. So best of luck, stay strong, stick to the plan, stay together, be safe. And now we're delighted to be joined by our next guest, a Tipperary hurler, Brendan Marr. Uh, Brendan, you're very welcome to the show and thanks for joining us. Um, I suppose, look, we're, we're, we're in a strange enough time. We've mentioned it in the last show, but restrictions are being lifted. Just up front, uh, how are you finding things at the moment and what's going on with yourself? Uh, firstly, I suppose, thanks, Colm and, and Kieran for having me on. Um, it's, it's strange times, obviously, for everyone, but uh, I suppose the one thing I'm trying to do is just adapt and... Uh, be as optimistic as I can with the with what we're being dealt with, um, you know, and just trying to stay as positive as I can and taking it day by day. I know a bit of a cliche, but it it really is day by day with the way the current uh, situation is. You did different. You actually were a bit longer in lockdown. Obviously, um, yourselves when you came back from your from your training camp, uh, Brendan, you were in lockdown probably eight or anyone else, and, and very much a serious lockdown. Uh, how did yourself find that? How did the players find that? And have you learned any? I suppose useful tips you can pass on time else listening yeah I, obviously we came home and on the friday the 13th of march and it would have been thursday the 12th was was the announcement of um, ga activity being stopped so um 
we got home and you know being honest about it we were probably safer where we were than anyone even here in Ireland uh, we were in a private compound where we were coming into contact with literally nobody the people cooking our food were in a kitchen we didn't see them the food was left out for us and um the you know the the cleaning staff and obviously and all of that were doing it when we were training so um it was very safe we had our doctor with us and you know obviously though coming back we had to follow the guidelines and and do the same as everyone else and uh the two weeks so we had to give two weeks to self-isolate and um that was the start of it for us and obviously then when the actual you know full lockdown for the country happened it was just a knock-on we were nearly settled into it at that stage and it yeah. really is just a case of keeping yourself busy I think is one thing for me that that helps me and you know having little goals I suppose set for each day and they're just simple things whether it's jobs to do around the house or whether you have work to do yourself or whatever pr- profession you're in um, and making sure that you're making yourself as productive as possible because it makes you kind of feel productive then to say like oh you know you had a good day today you got x y and z z done so um you're not feeling like god i'm doing nothing and i'm you know you you have that your self-worth i suppose is still there how did that work brendan in terms of the the self-isolating were you all um on your own as such or were you able to do it in groups or anything like that um some of the lads have parents or family members with underlying conditions so um um, some of them grouped up all right but uh, for myself uh, I just went back home and um, you know my partner Aoife is a frontline worker so we're kind of you know we're living the I won't say high risk but you know Aoife is obviously in the thick of it every day in the hospital in Limerick so um, really it's been the same for us now since since it started and uh, like you you just get used to it and some lads you know grouped up for the two weeks and then went back home and you know we're just doing the same as everyone else but uh for myself i just came home to to ifa and that was fine they said because we checked that out to see you know what do we need to move out or what what do we need to do here yeah. like, um but it was nice to look go back if you're obviously with immediate household um members that are living with you they're not expecting people to try and find alternative accommodation for the two weeks so i was able to come home just myself and Aoife in the house and um she's working away on the front line. So we kind of have that risk all the time anyway. So we're trying to be as careful as we can. Just on that then, look, obviously the whole country is living in a certain state of worry and anxiety and anxiousness at the moment, given just the circumstances that we're living through. But living with someone who is working on the front line, that must obviously be uh, a concern around Aoife's health and well-being, given the, the nature of her work. Yeah, it's, uh, you, it, it's really... Um... It helps me with perspective then as well, because you're hearing stories of different people, you know, doing different things and complaining about sport not being on. And, you know, when is the GA going to return? And just being perfectly honest about it, I, I'd love the GA to return, you know, as soon as possible, because obviously I'm really missing playing the game. But the reminder when every time Aoife is going to work and coming home from work and just that daily reminder of there's a there's a bigger issue here, obviously, and that we need to. We need to roll back here and have perspective to say, like, we all need to do our bit to try and keep each other healthy and not, you know, affect whether it's family members, community members, friends, whatever it is that you're coming into contact with. Um, We need to respect that this is an unbelievably strange time and we all just need to do our bit until it's safe to to go back to whatever is going to be normal. I think there's going to be a new normal, but um, we're not quite there yet and I think we just need to stick it out now.
And you'd hope as well, like you mentioned, the new norm, Brendan, you'd hope like that that will stay on uh, as people being recognized for the work they do. And it seems to be already, you can kind of get that sense of feeling that people are kind of appreciating the people who've been around them a bit more, what they're missing out on now. And you mentioned actually there about adapting as well. And I think we kind of had a chat before about your business, your new, new business, the gym, um, having to adapt and change. What, what can you tell me about that and how it's progressed over the last few months? Yeah, and I, I think it's reflective of even... Um modern way of life at the moment technology is very much at the forefront and being connected online i think that's what you know we're all doing our zoom calls with family and friends and um i've taken that on um from a business point of view i've decided you know we've moved on to online classes so uh we have classes every day now through the gym and booking and payment and all that is done online and we are using the zoom app then to to carry out the classes so our instructors are doing um morning afternoon evening classes so it's great our members obviously were um able to access it but we've got a lot of new people in then from different parts of the country and even beyond that um we have friends that are in australia that are obviously you know say god I'd, whenever i get home i'd love to go to a class but now they're they're getting that virtual workout and you know it's nice it's nice to be able to connect with people that way as well and um you're keeping people active as well that's a big thing for me and um, when, yeah. when we when we were coming up with this, we said we wanted to try and raise a few bob as well for charity. So, um, would you believe today is actually the end of our our four week block where we were trying to raise a few bob for pay the house. So, um, I think the number is around five hundred and twenty four bookings. So, I said I donate a euro for every booking that was that was made. So, I five hundred and twenty four mm-hmm. euros to donate now to pay the house today as well. And we've moved on um, we're doing something locally as well um, for the hospital of the assumption in Turles, which will be a care facility for the elderly um, and obviously that's hugely needed and um, appreciated during this time so all of the clubs in in Borussia so the the Camogie club juvenile GA club um, our, our gym and the track attack which is the the running club uh, we've all come together to try and raise a few bob for um, for the hospital assumption so we're doing the, the Boris May 5k so you just get out run or walk or crawl or whatever you do for your 5k and just make a donation then we have a GoFundMe page set up as well so we're just trying to do our bit I suppose to come together and and um, you know help I suppose the local community side of things and obviously then Piet House um, is just something I think is uh, very relevant at the moment it's a challenging time for us all and you know Piet House obviously are, are just hugely appreciated as well it's an interesting Definitely. one, um, Brendan, when you talk about um, having friends um, taking some of the classes in Australia. It's it's a, it's a, it, almost an interesting juxtaposition in terms of we're all being asked to stay apart, but there is almost this sense of we're almost more linked in and connected than we've ever been and maybe on a, a wider scale than we would have previously had. I'd, yeah, I'd agree with you. And um, I, you know, we've been talking to friends out online, be it online, but probably more than we would than, you know, back before lockdown because we were so busy. And I think that's what's, it's actually made me realize the value of time a little bit more as well. Um, the nature of the business with the gym, obviously is very, it's kind of antisocial when, you know, your busy hours are in the evenings when everyone else is, they might be going to do a class, but for myself and Aoife here at home, we were probably just passing each other by during the week she was going off doing her Pilates classes after a day's work and I was heading down to the gym for an evening as well and you're literally getting home at half nine ten o'clock at night and it's like it's just go to bed and get up and go again the following day so you know this has kind of made us realize you know that 
we probably were doing a little bit too much and to row back a little bit and appreciate the time together as well with you know obviously with yourselves but with family and friends as well it's different setup now but we're probably more connected with each other at the moment than we were before lockdown one of the key reasons that we wanted to talk to you on the player's voice brendan was in and around your career you've touched on the gym and we'll talk a little bit more about that in just a few minutes time but first here's a quick message from tyrone senior footballer niall morgan hey everyone just a short message on the importance of the role that we all have in the current situation coronavirus is no joke we all have a part to play Remember to wash your hands for a minimum of 20 seconds properly and don't touch your face with unwashed hands. If you have to cough or sneeze, use a tissue or your sleeve and remember to put all used tissues in the bin. Respect social distancing and try to refrain from hugging or shaking hands. Try to support your local businesses. I know it's not an easy time for anybody but it's an especially difficult time for them. This is not a solo run. We all have a part to play. Think of those who are more vulnerable in our society, such as the elderly or those with an underlying health condition. If you suffer from any of the symptoms of coronavirus, please seek proper help from the HSE or the NHS. So, Brendan, we, we mentioned just before the break there about, I suppose, your career path, your new business you've opened up as regards to gym. But can you just talk to me about, I'd be really interested to, to hear your views and your kind of career exploration and how you've progressed through your career in different areas and you've got to where you are now. Uh, yeah, so my, my primary degree is in is in teaching. So I studied teaching back. Um, went into college actually as a 17-year-old. I was very young doing the leaving and um, studied Mary I down in Limerick. And it's a three-year course. So I was actually qualified as a teacher at 20. And I remember like coming out of my first year of work back in 2000 and, uh, 2009, September 2009. And I just felt so young and inexperienced and... I was like, I, I just shouldn't be out in the real world at this day. I just feel like I should be only starting college. Um, and But, you know, you, you adapt and you, you learn. And um, I, I enjoy teaching and still enjoy teaching. And uh, I did that for sure, well, it's over 10 years now. Um, but during that time, then you start to kind of think of different interests you have. And for me, one of them was the S&C side of things. So. I decided to study um, online and part-time with Satanta College back in 2014 and got received my uh, higher certificate in strength and conditioning. So it was an 18-month course and the GPA were great there. They um, helped me with the funding um, uh, during that and were there. I can remember dealing with, um, with Niall and the lads, you know, and so helpful. And that was probably my first real, um, you know, engagement with the GPA from the point of view of mm. availing of the services. Obviously, I was a member of the GPA um, from when I joined the panel with TIP in 2009, but, you know, I hadn't really interacted or engaged properly with, with the lads. So um, that was my first real engagement, and it really opened up my eyes to the support and the offering that was there. Um, so I moved on from there then, and I uh, started running a gym in Holy Cross with uh, a friend of mine here. He's from Holy Cross, but lives in Boris Lee. So started that in 2016, 2017. So gave two years uh, running. And at the end of 2017, I made the decision to, to step away from there. Um, and I started work, um, consultancy work with, with Taneo. Um, obviously a past employer there of, of Kieran as well. So that was something that came about basically based off of my uh, interaction with um, Dexon Kelly, who was the, the CEO and chairman of, of Taneo. 
and he you know had asked me what I was doing and I explained to him what I was doing and he just I suppose he got to know me and maybe just saw a little bit of some strengths in me that would suit and um, that line of work and obviously with my interest in sport um, and you know my background in business obviously from running the gym and that he thought you know this is a, a really good opportunity would you like to, to come and work with us so uh, took a career break from teaching then in uh, so that would have been set 2017 was say took the career break September 17 and started working with the lads in Taneo up in Dublin uh, so I had a 12-month contract there and was really enjoying it the the challenge obviously was the commute um, so being based in Tipperary and trying to work in Dublin was was a huge challenge um, but you know obviously and I think we're really seeing it now actually the whole working from home and working remotely um, so I, mm. I started doing that so I was working from home uh, one or two days a week and then up to, to Dublin the other days um, and then in the middle of all of that I got the injury um, so I did my ACL in June 2018 and I suppose that's when the, the commute then really started to like become tougher because obviously with the rehab process involved with an ACL um, driving up and down to Dublin wasn't exactly the ideal situation for me so I had to make a tough call, um, so um, decided not to renew the contract with Taneo to get back down home. And I suppose during that, I knew that this um, new gym business was in the pipeline. Um, so made that call to come down, back down and concentrate on the rehab with the knee and uh, and concentrate on getting the business up and running, I suppose, with the gym. And that's where we got to. Uh, so opened up the gym last year. Um, went on a little bit later, you know, with new buildings and that. I was hoping to be open kind of January 19, but um, the last phase of the development just got pushed out and out and building was so crazy at the time. um, It was just hard to get things finished. So we didn't end up not opening until the end of September. Um, So that was a little bit of a tough time, you know, waiting and waiting and just wanting to open. You know, when you're ready to go at something and the building is just not ready, it was frustrating time, but uh, got opened in and uh, really good start and really good support from the local community and, and wider parishes as well and uh, going really well and then obviously we got hit with this then in March so a challenging first year in business but we're, we're coping. It's an interesting um, part t- to your story Brendan in terms of the decisions you've made as you say you made that decision to um, step away from the, the, the first gym that you're running you made the decision to challenge yourself and stretch yourself in terms of taking on the job with uh, Taneo and then making the decision again, which is another big decision to step away from that role. I suppose there there's probably players who are listening. They might have business ideas. They might have ideas around wanting to change career or to change their path in life. Uh, 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 they might be having thoughts around that. What's your advice to them about, I suppose, you've been brave in terms of making those decisions. Yeah, I think, um, and, and this is actually something that, through the GPA, the Madden program um, that I completed. So I, I did the Madden program in 2017. And that was a real eye-opener for me in terms of my self-awareness, I suppose, just really increased during that time where I started to learn about my strengths and my developmental areas and, and then started to learn about, you know, how you need to take, not take risks, but you need to be comfortable with making gut decisions, you know. So I was very much... Um, somebody who would overthink things and was afraid to make that gut instinct decision to go with something and uh, I really kind of appreciated that time learning about myself and learning that you know what there's actually um, there's actually decisions here that you can just go and you can always you know you can try things out and not be afraid to try things out 
So um, that was a big thing for me. Um, and deciding to go with that was, you know, just making that decision to say, do you know what? If you want to do something, you should do it. And not be afraid of making a decision to do something different. It's it, I remember when, um, when uh, as you say, I was working in Taneo at the time as well. And I remember you, you joining Taneo. And I suppose there was, would have been a sense of what's this guy going to bring to the table? And I would have known you for a long time before that. But what is Brendan going to bring to the team now? What's the extra value that he'll bring? And what are the skills that he'll bring to the table? But it became very apparent. I think the first meeting that I was with, with you in would have been with um, PwC, sponsor of the, the All-Stars and, and, and the Fairs of the Month Awards. I think that was the first meeting I was in with you. And it was very apparent straight away that you were going to fit in here. And it was the first time I suppose I really saw how on a, on a I suppose on a first hand level, how those skills that guys might have from a, from a sports career, from their own background can transfer into other careers because you had the confidence, you were able to stand up in front of a room and present. It's, it's, it's interesting from that perspective, because I would have seen you the, the way that you were able to almost fit in seamlessly to the team. Yeah. And I think that's what you need to do. And I just was that, a lot of the time, and I would have been a, a victim of this when I was younger, I had great confidence on the pitch, you know, um, being a player. And you just, I suppose, you're so comfortable in that role. But we don't always transfer that off the pitch. And that was obviously something I learned through, I suppose, experience in life. But uh, the Madden program was the real eye-opener for me to say, like, you have so many strengths that you're actually not using off the pitch. Um, and they're there and you just need to bring them out a little bit more. And that was one of them. And obviously that opportunity to, to you know, delve into the business world and the commercial side of sport, that for me was just so um, appetizing and it motivated me a lot to say, you know what, let's try and have a go at this. And um, I really enjoyed it. And, you know, and it's still even, I'd love to be able to get back into it if the, if the timing is right and if the situation is right. The challenge, obviously, you know, obviously when I'm still hurling with tip is to try and stay down um, in tip and to be able to, you know, concentrate on, on hurling, but I'm not making decisions based off hurling. I'm making decisions based off of what my gut is telling me. And, you know, if something strikes me to say, you know, that's a good opportunity, I'd really like to try that. I'm, I kind of have the confidence now to go for it. I think we've seen over the last number of years, maybe whatever, say 10 years onwards, we've talked about identity and athletic identity and, and the balance of maybe the player and the person being a bit out of touch. Um, because obviously, especially when you're younger, and Ben, I'm sure you'll agree with this, that you're very much focused on being the best you can, succeeding on the field, you know, hurling or football, you do all and end all. And everything else is fine. You know, you can have a job that's okay. But I think we're going to see, and, and maybe even this time as well, I had to go back to it, but this time is, is giving guys a different perception about it as well, about... You know, was my balance right or can I get a better balance with regards to my sporting career and my professional career? And it's funny you mentioned that about, you know, your confidence on the field and being transferred into business or into your career off the field. I was speaking to Tom Parsons last week and we had the same conversation about possibly players underestimating those skills and what they can bring to a career, whatever area they're in, um, and that they can they need to see the value they can bring to an area like that. So, I think you mentioned the Jim Madden program. I think Claire I spoke with us in that just just sees these other people in the same like you know same athlete athletes who are trying to find themselves and explore their confidence and their skills, and they realise well I can actually add a lot here, you know. And when they do go into places like for you Taneo, you know you can go well I actually can add something here and I can give something, you know my skills can be brought into a, this business world and 
you know, I, I'm well comfortable in this area with these people who've maybe been involved in it for a lot longer. So it's it's a great to hear that, Kieran, because that's one of the key things I think we need to look at over the next few years is about making sure people are making decisions for themselves and for the right reasons. And we hope that, you know, through engagement with the GPA earlier on in the years or in the careers, that will happen. And it will bring about much positive change later on in their lives. And just to come in on that as well, Colm, uh, I agree with everything you said there. And, and this is obviously, this is actually related to engagement with the GPA. And um, part of doing the Madden program meant that uh, I was introduced to uh, a great coach that um, works with the GPA. I won't mention his name because I know there's multiple coaches there, but uh, part of the Madden program meant that I had the opportunity to uh, engage with a coach basically as much as you wanted. So whether it was once a month or once every few months, uh, my coach was on the the other end of the phone uh, whenever I wanted so I could pop in the text. Um, I need a call or we'd meet face to face in Dublin if it worked out for a coffee. And, you know, he really helped me with those decisions to say, yeah, you can do this. And, you know, just he really kind of helped me with that self-awareness uh, development of saying these are your strengths and you can apply these in whatever setting you want. And just to have the yeah. confidence to do that. Um, and it's it just reflects, I think, what I'm after doing in the sense of saying, like, well, I have all of these strengths. Am I using them enough off the pitch? Am I challenging myself enough off the pitch? And I think that's probably one thing to not be afraid of as a player to say, well, you know, I can actually challenge myself more off the pitch and it's not going to affect my my game. And um, because there's there's that yeah. that that fear, I think, is out there with a lot of players to say that, well, I need to make these decisions now because if I don't do this, it's going to affect my performance. Where I'm probably living proof in certainly in the last 12 months of someone who was so busy setting up a new business, doing so many different things. And I still managed to be able to perform on the pitch. So it, it, I think it just, you know, I've kind of realized myself, you know, it can be done. You can challenge yourself on the pitch and you can challenge yourself just as much off the pitch. And that balance will be right. Something I kind of found over the last few months, um, and this is even some of the reason we've had the podcast, is because, say, hearing your story, Brendan, and we having a conversation about, I think even just talking with players, players from different counties now are much closer than, than they used to be. You know, there's connections made in different ways, be it through colleges, be it through different games, through careers or jobs. And even just talking to players and getting their views and their story can help you a lot in finding what way is best for you to go at it. Peer-to-peer learning can be very useful as well, I've found. Absolutely. And I've had, I've had a, lot of, um, a lot of players actually contact me because of, I suppose, the fact that I, was, I made the change, um, you know, the guys that have had that in their head, they've picked up the phone and, and gave me a call and I'm absolutely happy to, to talk to lads about that. And it's great to see, yeah. it's great to see guys that are, you know, they're trying to challenge themselves more off the pitch. And as you mentioned earlier, Kieran, not making those decisions just to facilitate hurling. It's more making decisions based on your own personal development as much as anything. Well, look, Brendan, we've touched on your career and the, the changes you've made there. We've touched on the current lockdown and, We've touched on the, I suppose, the work that you have done through the the GPA in terms of your own development, etc. And we'll, I'm sure, we'll get people, um, onto us saying you didn't ask enough about hurling. So let's move on to hurling itself. Um, you were dealing with that change in career and setting up of of the gym, etc., while also recovering from what could have been a career threatening injury. Um, can you talk to us about that time? When you knew how bad the injury was, first of all, in that game and that Munster Championship game against Clare where you would have picked it up, when you knew how bad it was and did you fear for 
actually the being sure that you would get back playing? I did, and um, it wasn't something that was uh, publicly spoken about at the time because I had actually, obviously, the ACL was the the main part of the injury, but I had meniscus damage, I had uh, tendon damage, I had all these other little things that were after happening, but we decided there's no point in saying, you know, there's multiple things gone when really they were all going to heal within the same time as the ACL. So we just decided it's nearly easier to say the ACL is gone rather than adding in the the other parts of the injury and just making people, it would probably have just said, God, he's definitely not going to come back. Um, because I did, I did have quite a lot of damage down to the knee, but the main one being the ACL, that was obviously always going to be the longest um, one to try and, and rehab. But... So with all of that, you know, I can remember, I can still remember what the doctor said to me. He'd give me for saying this now, but uh, when he rang me after the MRI, so I got the, I got the injury on the Sunday, obviously, uh, got a scan done on the Tuesday morning uh, in Barrington's in Limerick. And the results came literally within hours. Doctor rang me and uh, I said, well, what's the news? And he kind of sniggered and laughed. He says, yeah, your knee's a bit of a mess. That was his exact words. <laughs> I said, God, this is great. Like, <laughs> what do you mean? You know, so he explained all the different things that were wrong. And he said, Look, he said, I'm throwing a lot at you. He said, The big thing here is the ACL is ruptured and you need, you're going to need surgery. And he said, All the other things will heal. You know, there's a bit of work to be done on the meniscus, um, but everything else will heal within the same time. So, look, the main thing here is it's the ACL you are looking at. Uh, six to nine months so obviously to be hit, hit with that uh, I knew it was bad but I just didn't know how bad and to be hit with that then um, was a big blow obviously so very felt very down and was up with Ray Moore the following day in Santry and credit to Ray he's obviously brilliant at what he does um, but he was really reassuring and you know he really positive in the sense that he said look you're fit and you're healthy and so many lads have recovered from this and come back stronger. There's no reason why you couldn't do the same. So he actually kind of kick-started me onto that road of looking at it um, not as an opportunity because obviously there's rehab involved, but to think like I can actually come back here better than I was. And that was the mindset I tried to take on straight from the off. I said, right, I'm going to make sure that I do everything right and give myself every chance to come back. I still, you still have the doubts. You don't know until you actually get back playing. Um, but I think that mindset did stand to me. I remember having a conversation with you, um, I think maybe the week after you picked up the injury, and you said it to me, you said, look, I'm not going to be talking about this um, publicly, I'm not going to be talking, saying, saying much about it, but it is more than just the, the ACL gone, and I think at the time you, you said, you knew when, when you went down the ground uh, on the pitch, you said, you knew the whole knee had just collapsed underneath you. Mm. Um, but but even at that early stage, you could tell from you, your focus was on, right, there's no point dwelling on it. What can I do to to, to get it right, was was your attitude for, right, right from that stage? Yeah, because he, he gave me, there was too much swelling um, to operate. So he had to give the knee um, a chance to actually recover naturally before he'd be able to operate on it. So I actually got six weeks um, from that date was the 20th of July was then was my surgery date so he said to me he said get into get to your physio he said work as hard as you can on this he said make sure that leg is as strong as possible coming into me he said you'll be you'll be you'll benefit from it the far side of it so I literally gave I think I was giving myself the weekends off so Monday to Friday I'd give two to three hours over in the physio clinic 
working away on my own, doing all these exercises that the physio had given me. And that, that was probably, you know, one of the most important things that I did because I had the leg so strong then going into surgery that um, it didn't, you know, it didn't affect it. Then the surgery can take away muscle mass and because you're not able to use it for a few weeks after surgery, you lose strength and you lose muscle mass. But I had built it up enough that I didn't lose as much maybe as as most would. You know what I mean? So um, that like those couple of things, like, and in fairness, sir, I hadn't a clue what I was doing. I was just doing what I was told. But like the physio, Paddy O'Brien, Dr. Brendan Murphy and Ray Moore, and like they said, this is the best way to approach this. Trust us. If you do this diligently, you know, like I was thinking six weeks, right? To wait six weeks, is that going to mean then I'm going to be six weeks delayed in my recovery? That was what I initially mm. thought. But they said, no, you'll actually pick it up and you could end up doing this quicker than you would if you, if we tried to operate now because there was just too much swelling, too much damage done. He said, you know, it's just too risky. Um, he said, let's let it settle and let's let it recover a little bit and then we'll operate. And, and thankfully, it did work out that way. It was, it was much better to do it that way. Uh, and I remember as well having a conversation with you. I think it was the first week where you had got the opportunity to go back and jog on your own in a straight oh, line. Yeah. Um, and it was the week before you you were you you had that you had been told you'd be able to go and jog next week, but you could sense that that almost sense of excitement to a certain extent because you were going to get a chance to get back running again. But there was also like that certainly that sense of anxiousness about right what's it going to be like? What's it going to feel like? Is it going to hold up like it should hold up? Talk to me about that and around how that that getting back on a pitch and what that actually felt like. Yeah, because it's strange. um, And I still even have a little bit of numbness around the knee. But when you get the operation done, um, I got the graft taken off the front of my knee. So the patella tendon just underneath the kneecap. And your knee then initially like after surgery it nearly feels like it's not part of your leg you know you just don't have that same i think proprioception is the term they they use you know of knowing where all your body parts are so that's a challenge initially to try and get back where you kind of have that feeling like and that coordination of running you know and i can remember going just i went down to the pitch in morris lee and i think uh it was four to six minutes or something i had to do try and jog for four minutes or something you know something along that line and i can remember like just trying jogging up and down the pitch thinking this feels so strange because it had literally been months probably at that stage it would have been nearly four months since i had ran um so like just walking like and it just i was delighted with myself obviously because i got through it but i can remember the feeling of it thinking god this actually just doesn't feel right um but it, it it comes it comes after a couple of weeks like and you start to get more confidence on it and you um i was i was even getting um Aoife to video me to see because sometimes you can actually be limping or protecting the knee and not realizing it so subconsciously almost you know limping because you're protecting the injury so i was getting i was getting Aoife to video me and uh, if someone was down jogging with me to make sure like i was just so obsessed with making sure i'm going to be back running properly and not have a limp or not be protecting the knee so uh like all these little things happen throughout the recovery like that are just when you think back on it it's a bit mad but it it's just all part of trying to get back to you know where you want to get back to but, it's, but isn't it mad Brennan like um you know what, what a huge success like four minutes of running was a massive achievement They're, like you know you've, you're ever playing games and maybe multiple games and back in the past and weeks and stuff and then suddenly to get to four minutes done was a huge success so I think like you talked about 
the doctors and, and more and, and ha- having the confidence in them was a huge thing. And straight away, there was a goal for you, wasn't there? Like six six weeks for the surgery yeah. to build your muscles as much. So straight away, you had something to focus on. Brilliant. Surgery you got, okay, you then probably had another, probably another goal from them to set. And I think that's one good thing, one good thing, but I think now injuries like that are so well structured that if they're confident that if you do the work, you put it in, you know, that you'll get you'll get it done and it should come out okay on, on the end of it. But then say it was a was a reassuring thing for you to hear, even though obviously still a, a risk and uncertainty, but to have those goals throughout, I'd say was very reassuring. It is, and it's really important to to be able to, you're not just going to go from zero to hundred, you know, um, mm. without without stopping on the way. So it's the way I was kind of treating it was let's get to here. And that might be, you know, five or ten percent of your recovery. But you're all the time when you're doing it that way, kind of setting milestones and setting targets the whole way through. You're building layers all the time. So by yeah. the time I got back to a position of, you know, getting into training again, I had so many kind of milestones and goals hit that my confidence was just was ready. You know, I was ready to train. Whereas mm-hmm. if you don't if you don't approach it that way, I'd say it's probably more of a challenge then to to get that confidence to get into training again. You know, like my recovery is not going to be the same as somebody else's. Like you mentioned, Colin, you spoke with Tom Parsons last week and like what that man went through was obviously, you know, was a level above anyone with an ACL. Like Tom had so much damage done and he will might talk you through his recovery and it might be different. It could be a different approach, but it works for him. So it's, it's all about, you know, again, referring back to the self-awareness piece. That's what works for me. Setting goals and achieving them gives me that confidence and gives me that, you know, that belief to stay going. Whereas it, someone else might have a different approach that works for them, and that's fine. But you need to be yeah. able to have that openness to figure out what does work for me. What do I need to do to make sure I'm getting the most out of this and that I'm going to come back as best as possible? Yeah, no, brilliant point. And I was just going to ask there, was, was there any setbacks for you at some stage? So when, when obviously it's progressing really well, and, and I've seen this happen with players on my team, it's going really well. It's going really well, and and the pace and intensity starts to pick up, or they start challenging a bit more, which which is fine, which is natural. And then there's a little bit of a two steps forward, one step back. I think that's that's a really important time for any player during injury that these things may happen. It's not a not to back all the way to the start, but you know that when when there is a setback, refocus. Was everyone of them for you, Brendan, during during the injury? There was a couple of them, I'd say, Colin. To be honest, um, the first one would have been around the time when I was getting back running. I uh, I just hit a bad place mentally. I was struggling for, just kind of lost that bit of motivation to keep doing what I was doing. I was training on my own um, in either my own kind of little gym set up um, in my brother's shed. And this was early in the, the recovery. So I hadn't obviously my own gym um, wasn't open yet. And um, I can remember just going up and starting a session and failing. I was 20 minutes in and I just stopped. I wasn't able to keep going. Just just hit a bad place, you know, just motivation just dipped and came home following day, right, I'll have another go at it, failed to, to finish the session again. And I actually rang um, rang the physio, Paddy O'Brien, and I just said, come here, I'm struggling this week, like I'm not able to get, I'm not yeah. able to finish it, like, you know, I'm just really not not doing well. So he suggested that, he said, give Shamey a ring, Shamey Tanlon, he said he's actually in the middle of a programme himself at the moment for his back, but he said, be no harm for you to just join up maybe for a session or two um, and I said sure God let's, why haven't I been doing this you know because I just thought I'm doing thing, I'm doing different to the lads I need to do this on my own and not be in around them you know or trying to bring them down or seeing me injured I was kind of like I didn't want to be bringing in that around the place and 
But I rang Jamie and I said, come here, join up for a few sessions. And we started doing it together then. And that gave me that lift to get out of that. And then the yeah. second one would have been um, just I gave it a little uh, kind of a hyper extension uh, running. This was maybe three, four months in. Um, and I just gave it a little hyper extension. And I thought it, it actually gave such a crunch. I was like, oh, I'm after doing it again. This is it. <laughs> I'm going to be facing into surgery again. I was completely like 100% negative about the whole thing. Went over to the physio. And he did sure he tested it, it was fine. He's like, Duck, this is just this happens like it was just a little a little bit of a flare up, like so the bit of fluid and, and it's swoll bit bit swollen, but two weeks off, I just had to give two weeks off running and was able to tip away with gym work um and then back into it again. But I can remember thinking like there was probably two days before I actually even built up the courage to ring the physio because I was just so low over it happening. I was like, I can't I just I, I genuinely thought it was after doing the ACL again, but sure I wasn't. It was nothing. It was only a little, just a little flare up, like. Um, but all right. these little things will happen, like as I've heard that story from different lads saying, "God, I, I think I hurt it again now, and I'm probably after damaging this and damaging that." But your knee is like there's such a recovery to happen. Like there's going to be scar tissue, there's going to be inflammation. You know, some lads, even I know of some lads that did it, they still get flare ups, um, because there's just such, such trauma to the knee. It's obviously going to react differently from then on, Joe. And fast forward then, Brendan. So you're going through all of that and the recovery and the, the first steps back running and the, the setbacks. And fast forward then to 2019, Croke Park, All-Ireland Champions again. That road, like it, t- to get to that point where you're back with the chance to, um, to win Liam McCarthy back, back for t- Tipperary, that's, that's some road to travel in such a short space of time. And then it continues because obviously you had such success with your club as well across 2019 and all the way to an, an All-Ireland final earlier this year. Yeah, it was a bit surreal. Um, obviously, winning the All-Ireland with Tip was was unbelievable. And just to, to be able to have a good season and you know get playing again, uh, you go through different... I think I, I, I went through kind of different mentality throughout the year. I was like, first goal of getting back hurling you know and being better than I was and then you start you know you get back hurling and you have to kind of set new goals and like I mentioned adapting earlier like I had to adapt mid-season even to try and set new goals and I just I kept trying to challenge myself in different ways and my role within the team changed where I had to do some man marking roles which I hadn't done in a while and you know I had all these different challenges that so so it actually I think it kind of helped me it helped me focus as well and then rolling into the club I felt like this is bonus territory we won the county final um, after 33 years and sure that was just pure elation like place was gone mad just uh, couldn't believe that was actually after happening and then we were we had the whole mindset of like sure we're in bonus territory like let's just have a right go at this and we've nothing to lose because we were underdogs in every game uh, we played and nobody was expecting us to win and it just suited us it suited the mentality of the group um, we liked that underdog's tag and um, it just it just rolled on. We just got that bit of momentum and uh, I think it was Glen Rovers we played first in the semi-final, then Bally Gunner in the final and Thomas is in the semi. And um, Obviously, Bally Hale were, were too strong for us, but the whole journey was just an unbelievable experience and it was great for the community here because obviously, I know I'd spoken a lot about it. It was a tough, it was a very tough 12 months um, for the community with a lot of tragedy. So, it was that kind of lift that was needed around the place. You're awfully proud of where you're from, Brendan. I suppose 
what's it like to be able to run out on All Ireland final day with your club? And when you know the place has gone through so much as it had gone through, it's it was definitely the best day of my hurling career um, to be able to do it, and um, and that might sound funny, I suppose, when you like we lost that day, but uh, just hugely proud moment because it's just you know a club the club here is so so important to us because it is really is the the fulcrum of the place. It's the you know it's the park down in, in Boris like is just the centre of all activity in Boris and uh, there's such a strong community and obviously through the tragedy that was experienced um, over the last 18 months or so it brought it actually you know it made the community even more tight-knit um, and then to be able to represent that community in the sporting sense and represent your family and your friends and just to do that together was just really special and it's just created an unbelievable bond I think among not just the players, the whole parish just feels connected now because of that run and that journey we went on. So, um, a really special time, like, and it was just, uh, like, I had never experienced that. You know, we were always kind of there, thereabouts, losing county quarterfinals, losing county semifinals, and just never, had never experienced that joy of winning something together. And um, it's obviously now, it's just something that we'll never forget. And, and just, I suppose, to do it, so unexpectedly, you know, nobody expected us to do it. That made it all the sweet. And, and Brian, with that, it's just something you mentioned there about, like, sometimes I think you can forget, and even I found myself forgetting how, how important the club is in the community-wise. But, like, we won a, a county final a few years ago, and just how how important it was to people in the community. They didn't even realise how important it was to them. Um, and the emotion showed, even just for a county final. And again, you mentioned the tragedy. So I'd say... This, the journey your community had and to have that to try and just really solidify it I'd say was fantastic and I can just imagine the I suppose the emotion from not only the players but from the people involved in all levels in all age brackets throughout all the years too um, was a nice way to kind of remember people who had passed and, and bring the community closer together Yeah we had we had uh, we had players who you know um, parents had passed away or even you know just members of families that had passed away and it all it brought out all that emotion. Obviously, it, it you know it's mm. times like that just brings out emotion in different ways. And I'd never seen so many people cry after a match, you know, after the county final win. Yeah. Just grown men that you just wouldn't associate that kind of thing with, like showing emotion. And uh, it was uh, yeah, it was great. It was great. And we just had so a few kind of just special moments, I suppose, with each other on the pitch. Um, after the county final win and the monster final win, just something that you know is very hard to replicate like and god please god we'll get the opportunity to do it again but uh you know we're still appreciating what what went on and and celebrating it and enjoying the times you know and it's it's, it's something that it's the, the one thing is it's something that can never be taken away from 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 you as well like you, you always have that memory um obviously it takes a team and a panel and a community to be successful like that brendan but like some of the stuff you were doing for the club was Roy the Rover stuff. So I want to talk to you about one point in particular. And obviously, <laughs> you'll know the one I'm referring to. You were hitting the ball with broken hurlies over the bar and every sort of a thing. Everything seemed to be going right for you. It was, as I say, it was Roy the Rover's type stuff at times. I have a good story about that broken hurley, actually. Um, the So after the match, so after I scored the point, I kind of got a bit carried away at myself and I just threw the hurley over my shoulder into the open stand in uh, in the Gaelic grounds. So um, after the match, then I was saying, God, I'd love to get that hurley. Like at, at the time, I was actually thinking I might be able to fix it. <laughs> but then I, 
as time went on, I was like, God, it'd be nice to have it, you know, just to hold on to it. And we couldn't find it. No sign of it. So we, a few of the lads went back out, searched around the sideline, inside the stand, no sign of it. So a uh, couple of weeks passed and even some of the lads from the club there got onto the Gaelic grounds to see if the groundsmen wouldn't mind going in, having a look again. They were mad to get it, you know, just to have it. Um, I had kind of given up on it. But a uh, number of weeks passed, we gave up. We said, look, that's it. It must be gone. Somebody must have picked it up or, you know, it's disappeared on you. So about six weeks after the game, I think it was actually, it would have been more because it was, I think it was towards the end of February because I can remember um, getting ready. We were going to Spain to start a March. But I got a letter from a young fella from Gart. And uh, you get letters from young fellas kind of saying, you know, whatever it is, oh, you're my favourite player or I admire you. Have you any tips or bits of advice? So I thought it was just one of these letters again. So I was reading down through it, Anya, and he said he was uh, 12 years of age and from Gart. I was at the St. Thomas's game that you scored the broken hurley or the pint with the broken hurley. And I actually have your hurley. So... Huh. Uh, I, I was there looking at going what is this lad and so he said one, when the, the final whistle blew he said one of the St. Thomas's lads hit the ball in frustration out towards the open stand and I ran to get the ball and he said uh, I spotted your hurley up in the stand so I picked it up and I took it home um, so uh, so I was there thinking then how am I going to ask him for it back <laughs> <laughs> so I wrote, I wrote a letter back and I said God I explained I was delighted that he had found it because we had been looking for it and, blah, blah, blah. and I said uh, I'll send on a, a hurley I'll get a few signed bits from Burke Sports there he's a friend of mine so um, I, I was grand anyway so I left my number I said if you want to give me a call I'll meet you with the stuff like and next thing that uh, whatever the letter was sent and his mam rang me and she was all apologies. She's like, oh my God, I never even realized she said that you'd want the hurley back. Like, So she offered to give it back to me and I was saying, look, I said, if you want to hold on to it, you can hold on to it. But I obviously would like to have it back. So we were arranging to meet and then um, this lockdown happened. So we haven't actually met yet, so they still have it. And um, I'll, hopefully, I'll hopefully be able to get it back at some stage during the summer. All round good guy, and he takes broken hurdles. <laughs> In fairness, I didn't. I didn't ask for it back technically. I just, I, I, uh, I said I'd love to have it back, but I didn't. I, I actually was. I was like, I, I can't really take it off him now, like, because he must be delighted with it. Oh, he's he's putting a list together. He is putting a nice little list together <laughs> of a nice man. It's building and slowly but surely it's going to rise up. I'm actually surprised when you didn't bring out your own. Your own brand of hurls, like half size hurls or something after that point, something like broken hurls from Brendan Marr. Yeah. Real skillful players. You know? Could have been a new business idea, yeah. Well, if you ever if you're ever short of a hurley, Brendan, I have one belonging to you in my shed here. So uh, you <laughs> left it behind you in the office in Taneo when you were leaving. So, so if ever you're stuck, you can just give me a I hope you'll make good good use of it now, Karen. I hope you're out back. Oh yeah, I, I I'm I'm coming on in leaps and bounds here, hitting the ball off off the back wall. <laughs> Um, Colm, um, we Brendan has been really good with his time, but I know we just look wanted to wrap it up with a, a final few questions from yourself around uh, some of the stuff that Brendan might be doing just to pass the time at the moment. Yeah, no, look, at the end of this, we're obviously all still a little bit in restricted times. Um, and we we asked a few people about what, what they're watching at the moment. Do you have any recommendations, Brendan, before we finish up? Um, any podcasts, any books, or any Netflix shows you're watching? Just to I'll, give some people I'll keep it, something to keep going. I'll keep it local with the podcast. Obviously, outside of this podcast, um, I think everyone should listen to this one. But uh, the Two Johnnies podcast for me is something I, I like to listen to just for a bit of crack because uh, the two boys are two characters. We know them well. And 
Uh, I know Johnny B in particular since, God, I'd say over 10 years now, he was writing songs back when I started joining the tip panel. So uh, the two Johnny's podcast is probably my, my go-to. Um, for Netflix and that, uh, I'm watching Normal People. Um, I think it's a great show. Yeah. And I think really good messages in it as well. Like, you know, like just if you start thinking about what they're doing in it, um, you know, just from uh, the point of view of, the likes of Connell is growing up and he's the, the main man in, in school, but then college is very much a different experience and uh, just highlights like that, you know, you, you can't always just judge people um, from what you see. And uh, what else? I started watching The Sopranos again. So, oh, yeah, when I'm in the middle, I'm back just in season one of that. Uh, it's some show. I actually hadn't watched it all the way through. I kind of dipped in and out of it like, um, so I'm trying to watch it all now every episode like there's oh, there's ridiculous amount of episodes in it um, but great show and the book I'm reading at the moment um, I'm reading this one a while actually it's taken me a while to get through it uh, is Drive by Daniel Pink so it's it's basically about the kind of what motivates people and those intrinsic kind of motivating factors that exist within people you know and, and it's kind of saying how you know, it's not always like money that motivates someone, for example, and how you can tap into those intrinsic motivators um, to try and motivate people, if you get me. So um, that's that's the book I'm on at the moment. Um, but yeah, it's it's good now. Lots of time to watch telly in that evenings, which I was never used to. So um, I'm enjoying that time. All right. Brilliant. Well, I started watch. I started started watching back the Sopranos myself last week. Some six episodes in now as well in, in the first season. Um, you just forget how what a quality show it was at the time. But to be to be fair, when it was out first, there was probably a lot of it just passed me by. I wasn't paying enough attention to it, but it's it's just so good. Yeah, uh, and you can see how other shows have taken bits and pieces in terms of the production and the filming and all of that and implemented them in their own shows. It's 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 just a, a phenomenal TV show. Brendan, look, you've been more than good with your time. Really appreciate it. Continued success in the business to both yourself and to Aoife. We give Aoife our regards and, and tell her to stay safe um, as she continues to, to work there in the hospital. Um, it's uh, it's something we're all really appreciative, appreciative of. And look, really appreciate your time. Thanks a million, lads. Pleasure. Thanks, Brendan. Well done, mate. Talk soon. The Gaelic Players Association. Representing the interests of all intercounty players, protecting their welfare on and off the pitch, and supporting their development as people. Well, Colm, I really enjoyed that chat with Brendan Marr. I've known Brendan a long time, as as, as you'll have known through the through the course of the conversation there. Um, but just he's he's just so interesting and has gone through so many different experiences that players will have gone through and will have seen from their own perspectives. Um, and great to have his thoughts on all those different areas. I know it is like, and, and part like this podcast mainly is put together to get insights into players' lives and to find out what they're like and and, and how they have adapted to different things. And Brendan, thankfully, was very open and honest about something. And, and myself, even just talking to him, I've gotten some really bit, good bits of advice there as well. And um, yeah, a pleasure to talk to him. Always well well held and um, presents himself very well. So good to hear he's doing good to the new business, and hopefully that will progress and, and keep on going. And um, yeah, fantastic. Really enjoyed it. Well, look, that's it. That's all we have time for on episode two of The Player's Voice. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, get your feedback into us as well on the GPA social media channels. And we'll be back with you in the next couple of weeks with the third episode. And looking forward to that already. Um, hope the hair starts to grow out, Colm, as well um, on your end. And, uh, uh, and look, thanks for all your help in getting this done. Always enjoyable, mate. Talk soon.